New ideas and new technology are causing seismic shifts in the media industry. Where are we headed? What does it mean? Keep listening. Media strategist Gabriella Mirabelli talks with the brightest minds in entertainment and business. Meet the innovators, the risk takers, and the disruptors on the front lines of change from Hollywood, Wall Street, Silicon Valley, and beyond. The future is coming to a screen near you. Are you ready? This is the Up Next podcast with Gabriella Mirabelli. Welcome to Up Next. I'm your host, Gabriella Mirabelli. Our guest today is Renji Bijoy. Renji is the founder of Immerse, a tech star startup that has partnered with Meta, ByteDance, Microsoft, and other AR, VR tech giants to build mixed reality offices. He's raised $12 million to date for Immerse, making it one of the top AR, VR app environments in which people work virtually for 40 to 50 hours per week. Immerse provides an opportunity for hybrid remote teams to be together, even when they're not. Thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, glad to be here. Immerse has built VR offices. Is that what it sounds like? Is this a virtual office space where you work remote, but together in a virtual space, like you come into a a virtual built out space? Yeah, quite literally. And the only thing I would add to that is it's using augmented reality or virtual reality headsets built by the different tech giants like Facebook, Microsoft, HTC, Google, and some of these others. Apparently Apple's releasing theirs later this year. So yeah. Yeah, I was actually going to ask if it was if you were device agnostic. So yep, it sounds exactly. like you pretty much are. So Magic mm-hmm. Leap, I could get a Magic Leap device or an Unreal device, or are those those are really not- yeah. So those are on the roadmap. They're just not the highest priority because they don't have the most amount of user adoption just yet compared to some of the others. But yeah, I mean those are on the roadmap. Yeah. Oh, fantastic! So back a gazillion years ago, when I first saw VR demoed, one of the things that struck me was that it wasn't so comfortable to be in device for a long period of time. I'm familiar with some of the AR devices, which are pretty light, but still being in device for much more than a half hour was challenging. Have you found that? Yeah. So one thing that's really cool is really the latest VR headsets that have come out really just in the past, I would say three or four months are the ones that have really locked in or honed in ergonomics. Oh. Pretty much all of them have decided to put the battery on the back side of the headset. So it's kind of <laughs> distributed where it's like on the back of your head. Yeah. Right. So they really balance the device really well in your head. So, I mean, I'm able to wear, like I'm in a headset right now, actually. Um, oh, and wow. so like okay. I'm able to, yeah, yeah. I'm taking this call with a headset on. I'm able to be in this thing, usually somewhere between four to six hours. I mean, we recommend only doing about two hours at a time, just like with your normal external screens, like your, your, your monitors and things like that. You kind of take it to our break and come back. Likewise, mm-hmm. with the VR headset, you know, the screen is no different. So what are the price points these days for headsets? Just ballpark yeah. for me. Yeah, they could be anywhere between, depending on the quality you're going for, they could be anywhere between you know, 300 bucks and then some of the crazy high quality ones are like $3,000. So it just depends on what you're looking for. Okay. So if you are device agnostic, and that is a pretty big range of devices there, how is my experience different because of the device? I mean, you talked about high end. Is there a difference yeah. there? Yeah. So some of them have much higher pixel density. So like, you know, if you get a really cheap VR headset, you can see some of the pixels, like as far as like when you kind of move your head, you might see that some of the pixels kind of dimmer at you. Whereas if you get some of these, or even like the Apple headset, which apparently is supposed to be the highest end that you build to get into your hands, that one apparently is supposed to be human eye resolution. So you wish oh not, you should not be able to, yeah, it's gonna be crazy. You shouldn't be able to distinguish between, you know, having a headset on versus real life. It's gonna be pretty crazy. The field of view for the Magic Leap and for the, and real glass, the field of view is pretty small. Uh, some right. of the stuff that Apple is working on behind the scenes is much, much larger. The cool mm. thing is a lot of these VR headsets who are available, that are available today, the pass-through cameras allow you to have somewhat of an augmented reality experience. So it really just depends depends on what you're looking for. Some of the headsets have these cameras on the outside of the headset so that you're able to actually bring in these sort of 
pass through portals that kind of show you the real world and bring it and brings it into the earth. For example, if I have a headset on, but I want to be able to, you know, take a sip out of my water bottle. I don't have to take off the headset. I can just, you know, open up a virtual portal into the real world. And then I'll see my water bottle. I'll grab it, drink, take a sip real quick and then close the portal. And so those are usually the headsets that have just the cameras on the outside of it. Whereas there's some VR headsets that don't have high quality cameras. Some of them just have can't like low quality cameras for the sake of tracking so that you mm. can kind of move your head around, move your body around, but it's not really meant for using the sort of portals feature that allows you to look into the real world with a high quality, high resolution camera experience. Well, yeah, that was, that's one of the other things I was wondering about was about the general occlusion that happens quite frequently in a traditional old school VR headset. And I was wondering how you dealt with, I didn't even think of the water bottle issue, but I was thinking more in terms of multi-platforming, you know, because people, yes, they're doing their work, but they might, you know, want to check something on their phone. You know, yeah, so how, exactly how that would work. So yeah. how if you don't have if you don't have one of these higher end headsets, if you're in the sort of mid range, can mm-hmm. you can you open a portal any at what range? What- yeah. So the Pico Four, which is Tox headset, it actually is a four hundred dollar headset. I think it's like four twenty nine or something like that. Even that has probably about eighty five percent of the functionality for just four hundred twenty nine bucks. So. That's the one that I usually recommend to most people. I would say don't go the don't go for the three hundred dollar headset just because like you get black and white blurry portals. It's not very it's not the best experience. Um, you know, it's pretty cheap. If if, if you're just handing one to your kid just to play around with games and stuff like that, then that's fine. Get a three hundred dollar one. But if you want to have something that you could actually use for work, and the cheapest one I would recommend for work is the four twenty nine. But the one I, I would probably recommend for serious work, I would say, is is, is about fifteen hundred dollars or somewhere between eleven hundred to fifteen hundred dollars for those. Okay. Okay. Now walk me through how it works if I'm a participant in this. I get my headset, I put it on. What goes next? How do I team with people? Yeah. So you would download the app called Immersed. You essentially would go to the actual search bar, type in Immersed, which is our product. And the app itself in the headset directs you to your laptop because what you also need to do is connect the laptop to your headset. So essentially it tells you to go to Immersed.com and you would download this agent or this program that runs on your computer. And what it does is it wirelessly connects your MacBook or your PC or your Linux computer to your headset so that you can then have multiple virtual screens in VR, right? So, or, or you could also use augmented reality where you essentially, if you have a higher quality headset that has high quality cameras, it'll just bring the, the outside real world into your headset. And you'll then have these sort of holographic screens that appear. And so, you know, you'll see this on our website. You'll see this if you go to Immerse Twitter account, whatever, there's a bunch of videos that people that that we we retweet all the time of people showing off their virtual screens when they're cooking or playing drums or whatever they're doing. But it's been really cool to kind of see the different use cases that people will use it for. But then you also have teachers and students who are doing a remote classroom learning or Mm. coders who are coding together or, you know, day traders who want to have five screens around them at all times, but they're in a hotel room. So they can't bring their screens with them, things like that, right? So there's a bunch of really cool different use cases. And so if you just go to whatever headset store you're on, just type in Immersed and then you know, follow the steps from there. Is it a closed system? I'm thinking about entertainment companies. And so if I'm a creative services agency and I work with entertainment companies and a lot of their content is highly confidential, could and they have special servers where you have to access them through special keys and portals and things like that. But if I wanted to show a rough cut to a client, can they, could I work through this system and not have any of that data ever exposed? Correct. Yeah. So just like how, if you're, uh, I guess, sort of connecting to your server and then screen sharing using Zoom, uh, in the various same exact way, I was actually in a screen sharing session right before this for one of my editors for some of the content that we're working on. And 
it's so crazy because like when he was sharing his screen, he was showing Adobe Premiere Pro and you would see like the little tiny numbers and the file names because he's he's using this on his 4K screen at home. But when you're in immersed, you can see all the little pixels, like, like even just like the little tiny high definition details as far as like the file names and the timeline numbers and all of that. So it's extremely high resolution compared to something like Zoom, where it only kind of streams 720p, maybe 1080p. But on top of that, it's encrypted end to end. So all that to say, like, even if you wanted to connect to some sort of secure server, you know, via a VPN or whatever, mm. Immerse is actually programmed or, or, or created to be able to, no matter what route you go from one, from point A to point B, it would be secure. And so, and as soon as you stop sharing at the end of the day, it's all just a local connection. Again, it kind of reverts back to just your local area network, kind of like your, your router at home. Whose office, like the design of, is it just my screens and then blank space around it? If I'm in the virtual office, not Oh, no. So how is that designed by the app? Is it just dependent? Yeah. So we have these really cool virtual worlds that you can be in. Like, for example, like I mentioned, I'm on a, I have a headset on right now. I'm in the captain's chair of a spaceship that is in low earth orbit. That's, (laughs) it's it's such a cool, and you can hear the hum of the engines behind me. If I look back, I see the engines, the flames kind of pushing the rocket forward. It's, it's, It's like really cool environments. There, there are a bunch of different environments like that. Like we also have these virtual cafes where there are other people who are working in VR, but you know, you're not talking to them. You're not sharing screens with them. You're just in a virtual cafe. Just like, you know, when you go to a real life, a coffee shop and you're just there to get work done, but you just wanted to have some level of presence of people around you because you might be extroverted or it might help you feed off of their productivity. Likewise, we have these virtual cafes where just random users all around the world from like France to South Africa to wherever, New Zealand, there are people who are in these virtual cafes sitting side by side, you know, you can't see their screens, they can't see your screens, but you see their avatar moving, you see them typing on their keyboards, you see them focusing, you see them with virtual headphones on, things like that. And it really allows them to really kind of get a lot of work done in a, in a fashion that helps them fight loneliness, right? Because when COVID had hit, obviously everyone's been working from home and, or, you know, obviously some companies are trying to get people back into the office because of things like this or collaboration. But for people who are still working from home, you know, you could either stare at your wall at the same home office that you've been going to every single day, or, you know, you put on a headset, you have your multiple virtual screens. You can navigate to a virtual cafe, be in these really cool environments. Some people want more professional tech environments. So we can put you in kind of the the penthouse skyscraper office view. We can put you in, yeah, there's these different lodges. You might be up in the cabin in the mountains and you hear the crackling fire. So there's a bunch of different types of cool environments. And because the level of qualities of these headsets has gotten so high, it's so crazy because every single time I put a person or put my headset on a person to demo it to them, like everyone, like there's not a single person who hasn't been mind blown, not realizing that technology has come this far where they literally just feel like they're in another world. There isn't any visual like, latency there. No, not at all. Yeah. I mean, nausea used to be a thing back, I would say 2018 and prior. So mm-hmm. for the past like four or five years, nausea hasn't really been an issue at all. A lot, And the hard part is most people, when, when the first hype cycle of VR came out back in like 2014, 15 and 16, a ton of people tried it and it would make them like nauseous or throw up or whatever. But from 2018, 2019 onwards, that really hasn't been an issue at all. The last, I feel like the last complaint I've ever heard about nausea in VR is probably like maybe 2020 with maybe some of those roller coaster apps and things like that. But right. if you're, especially if you're kind of in a stationary work office setting, you're not really moving around much at all either. But also the refresh rate of the lenses or the screens in your headset it's so high. The screen refreshes every millisecond or two. And so there's no way you're able to actually see anything refreshing on your screen. Like it's just, it's imperceptible to any human. What kind of processing power is that dependent upon my computer? Is it a mix between the computer and the, the device? How much is in the app? Like, what do I need? What do I need to have to make this work? Yeah. So the, the quality of the headset or, or the price point of the headset itself 
is a decent indicator of how much processing power the headset actually has. Okay. And so the cool thing about the Apple headset that they should be announcing that pretty soon, they apparently they're using the, the Apple M2 chip, which is in their MacBooks. And that apparently is like 20x what the Meta headset has in it. And so, I mean, having like 20... That's going to be sick. Yeah, <laughs> that's, yeah, be that's crazy. I'm, I'm excited for that. I'm ex- like, that's, I feel like that's going to be sort of the, the, the iPhone moment is where, you know, everyone moved from flip phones to smartphones. I feel like this is finally going to be where AR VR headsets are looked at from, you know, the kind of the toy perspective that people think about it as to now as a competing device. And so, huh. you know, Apple is able to have processing power on board the headset with such a strong cooling capability that most other headsets can't. As far as the processing power on your laptop, I mean, we even have people who use Chromebooks and stuff who oh. get their screens in VR, but so the, the process, process power on your laptop doesn't really matter. We, we kind of cater towards, as long as your laptop is not older than like, yeah, as long as your laptop's not older than like six or seven years, you should be fine. Okay. So what about the etiquette of how to behave? And do you have certain rules so that everybody, you know, it's a new space. People haven't worked in virtual space. And are there ground rules of behavior, you know, knocking, things like that? Because I've, I've also, in certain VR spaces, some not so great experiences can happen to women yeah. in these spaces. No, so sure. I'm not saying obviously this is a work application. So hopefully people understand that. But still, yeah. when thinking about etiquette, is there an onboarding where you explain how things work? How or is it really intuitive and and no, you haven't had to do yeah. that. So as soon as you, so in the early days, we did have to deal with that because we didn't really even know how people would respond to having public co-working spaces, but, mm. or virtual co-working spaces that are available to the public. And so we would, we, we sort of now kind of notify you every time you enter the co-working space, you kind of have to acknowledge kind of the ground rules here. And so like we have kind of a terms of service and all of that. Mm. Um, so whenever you enter the space, you have to agree to that. And then whenever you get too close to a person, if you're kind of too close to their personal bubble, you end up kind of disappearing. Like your avatar actually becomes invisible. So people can't see you if you try to get too close to them, number one. Okay, Meaning good. like, yeah, your, your hand disappears. My hand comes too close to your face, like it disappears. And then, um, so, so no one's going to be in your personal space, number one. And then number two, if a person is using crude language or whatever it is in those public spaces, you're able to block people, mute people, and also report them. Mm-hmm. If a person gets three reports within a, a 30 minute time span, then what we end up doing is actually automatically kick them, kicking them out of the space. And then if they come back to the space and they get reported again, then they actually get banned for a week. And then from there, a month, and then it kind of, it kind of extends from there. Wow. Well, we read a lot about body language and we get a lot of signals from people that aren't just head and shoulders, which is obviously one of the problems with Zoom and Zoom fatigue. How did Mm -hmm. people show up? You mentioned avatars. How is that built? How much does it look like us? How much can we customize it? One thing that's really cool is apparently Apple actually will be releasing photorealistic avatars where you Mm. quite literally just look like yourself. Mark Zuckerberg actually showed, I know it's really crazy. Mark Zuckerberg actually showed a demo of their version of photorealistic avatars at their developer conference last year. You can go to YouTube and type in meta photorealistic avatars or meta codec avatars. Codec is just sort of the algorithm that they use. But what's so cool about it is you, it is literally indistinguishable from real life. Like you cannot tell that that's an actual like 3D object, but instead it actually looks like the human. It doesn't look like a cartoon avatar. It doesn't look like it's a virtual object. It just looks like it's real, which is crazy. And so meta might be coming out with their stuff maybe in the next year or so. Um, apparently Apple is shipping theirs with their headset. I'm pretty excited to see that technology, but 
as of right now in the application today, say for example, if you're using a cheaper headset, then we do represent you as kind of a cartoon character type avatar, but they actually look, you know, if, especially if the person actually knows you, it actually does look fairly similar to you. But yeah, long-term, we don't see that as sort of the professional version of our application. Long-term, we do want people to be their own identities. And we do also allow you to integrate or connect your LinkedIn profile with your avatar oh. so that if someone hovers above you, they can kind of see your profile and they can see what your real face actually looks like. I think the benefit to using VR versus something like Zoom is, you know, you, I'm, I'm a human being with two eyeballs. And when I see your two-dimensional face on my laptop, I, my, my brain is trying to create a 3D version of your face in my head because that's mm. what we were hardwired to do. In VR, I do see both sides of your space because, you know, you're a 3D object in VR. But when I'm looking at a Zoom screen or Zoom face, it's just, I get Zoom fatigue after a couple of hours. So the cool thing is, with VR, we just see people having four or five, six hour sessions at a time without having any issues. And I think the thing that really wears on people is after several hours, the weight on their head, right? So I mean, these things have right. gotten to the point where it's less than a pound, but the Apple headset apparently should be as light as your iPhone, which is crazy. And how does it work? I mean, I guess this is again, a device question, not very fair to you, which is I, I have readers, I have glasses that works. So it's all about, depends on the device you're using. Is that how that yeah, works? Yeah. So the... Yeah, the, the more expensive headsets, the lenses actually adjust to your eyeballs or to, to your actual prescription. But I for see. the cheaper headsets, you could get aftermarket lenses that you could actually snap onto the headset so I that see. you don't have to wear glasses. I was working with a mixed reality production company. We were working in volumetric capture of performers. It sounds oh, wow. like that's not necessary in this, that somehow these things create a, a full individual where you get this sort of energetic sense of the person. Is it accurate? Yeah. So the for the shoulders up, I think that's kind of where Apple and Meta are going to start. And then for full body tracking or full body high definition, mm -hmm. likely that'll be in years to come. So full volumetric is still helpful in mm -hmm. media production and things like that. But right. I think that that's going to become a little obsolete in the next couple of years because it'll be automated. In a couple oh, of years. So cool. Oh, that's so exciting. Yeah. So interesting. <laughs> it's crazy technology. Yeah. It's amazing. It's amazing. So if I sign up, what's your business model? Is it is it a corporate subscription and then all my workers get into it? How does it how does it work? So we have kind of a business model on two ends of the spectrum. So we are available on the Oculus store if you have like an Oculus headset, for example, or the Pico store if you have the new TikTok headset. It just sort of depends on which headset you have. But because that is a consumer store, we do have a free version of the app where you get three screens for free. You could also buy two additional screen virtual screens for an additional 15 bucks. And then we kind of have these different environments that you could purchase depending on your style, right? Or what, what mm -hmm. you're most excited about. So in some of the environments, you can kind of do a little bit of a trial, test them out and things like that. But then on the... So that's to kind of be the consumer-friendly version of the app. On the polar opposite end of the spectrum, obviously, we have kind of these enterprise tiers as well that allow companies to have user access, uh, management dashboards, you have certain conference rooms, or we could 3D reconstruct your office, we can essentially build a skyscraper for your company, kind of like a virtual headquarters. And that's sort of more of a implementation fee and then a, a for per user per month, depending on the team size. So that helps subsidize the cost of the free portion of the application. So we can continue with development, keep growing the company, etc. And because we actually have a lot of traction on the consumer side of the market that does provide essentially free lead generation for us to then get more and more companies aware of who immersed is and then again that, that directly kind of gives us an upsell to our users managers and decision makers at their companies so if i'm a business and i'm listening to this and i think it sounds interesting but i want to test it out without committing if i if my kid has an oculus and they play games on it i could go I could test it out as a cons in the consumer and I could test it out for free just to get exactly. a feel for how it works. Exactly. Yep. Mm -hmm. 
And then, then yeah, it's so a, we, a subscription. So there's a, a bill to, if, if I want to, if I want to have a tailor-made skyscraper just for my business, I can do that. Do you have sort of standard off the shelf offices? So I don't have to pay that kind of fee. Yeah. Yeah. So we do have standard off the shelf ones. The advantage to having the custom ones is we actually do spec it out to like down to the inch of what your IRL office is or your, your in real life office is. So the cool thing is, as I mentioned earlier in this call, like the headset actually has cameras on it. And what it does is it allows you to bring the real world into your headset. So if you have a virtual environment, that's kind of one-to-one, the, the correct size of the virtual environment uh, oh. or the virtual environment is correct size of the real one. What it does is it actually allows your remote team to be in that in, in almost like your real office with you as holograms. It's pretty crazy. So they and could so come like into my office. They could actually, it's yeah, like you're, exactly. you're knocking on my door, coming into my office. How much? <laughs> Literally. <laughs> so, so I guess then how much, I mean, visual sense of space, how big, how, how, I mean, I, I guess I just really need to get in a, a device and yeah. Yeah. The cool thing is the, 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 yeah. So the old headsets would have to require you to have these sort of external camera sensors that are facing you, facing you. So it kind of knows where you are in 3D space, right, but the current right. headsets have it all on board. So because okay. the headsets have their own cameras built onto it, it actually does something called inside out tracking rather than the old sort of outside in tracking. Right. So when I say outside in, I mean, you have cameras that are outside of your body, maybe it's in the corner of your room and it kind of can tell where your headset is in 3D space. But the new technology is called inside-out tracking, where you have he- you have cameras on your headset. It's facing outward, and it just does sort of this headset tracking based off of where you are in three D space and kind of how you move around. So it's called Six Degrees of Freedom inside-out tracking. So because that's now that's standard amazing. on all the different headsets, you could walk a factory floor and it would know exactly where you were in three D space. That's so cool. That's so cool. Yeah. So yeah, your emails are always signed that you're writing it in in VR. So how does now it's really getting down to nuts and bolts, but are you typing on your actual keyboard and you're seeing it on your virtual screen? Or are you typing on a virtual keyboard using your virtual fingers? How does that, how does that work? Yeah. yeah. So I'm using a keyboard portal, right? So I mentioned before the cameras lie to bring portals into your headset. So for me, I always have a persistent portal that's right above my keyboard. So I can see my keyboard at all times and see my hands, all okay. of that. So you're typing on your, you're looking at your hands on your physical keyboard, keyboard. your physical keyboard, but in terms of the screen where you're seeing what you're writing, it's in that virtual space. Exactly. Yeah. And the, the cool thing is apparently Apple's new headset, they're working on something called air typing that allows you to have a virtual keyboard and the headset can with, with very, very high fidelity, it can track the exact positioning of your fingers and you can essentially type on a virtual keyboard. You'll, you'll, I know, I know some people mentioned, Oh, but I want to feel the tactile feedback from the actual physical keyboard. However, you'd be pretty mind blown to see how your brain can almost trick you into thinking like you're feeling something. As long as you like, you poke a virtual key, you see it respond, you see kind of the, it light up. And then you also hear the sound of it clicking. Right. You actually will almost like feel like it's there. You'll believe it because all of your other inputs are telling you it's there. That's yeah. That's exactly. so, so interesting. So give me a feel for, obviously you've had, and congratulations, a lot of investment. What is your, who are your current users? What are they, what industry do they tend to be in and what's the adoption rate like so far? So in the early days of Immerse, it was mainly like about 70% of our user base who were mainly kind of coders and, and people kind of in the tech world. But as time has progressed and way more people have gotten their AR, VR headsets into their hands. Now we only have about 28% who are coders, 9% who are designers. And you have sort of this long tail of 
random people who pretty much anyone who uses a computer for they end up using our application. So you have, like I mentioned earlier, like teachers and students or day traders or legal teams or finance teams, or kind of just pretty much anyone who uses the, their laptop for work. So, I mean, we've even had Diplo and some of the the music and, and movies that he's worked on, their teams actually work in Immersed as well remotely during COVID. It's pretty cool to see That's that. That's very cool. Well, I'm, I'm thinking if only given what you're talking about, this one-to-one, how great it would have been during COVID that kids could have been together in a classroom and they would have been able to interact with one another, all of those social experiences, it really would have made such a difference, you know? Exactly. um, Yeah. It's really remarkable. The cool thing is, yeah, I think that's kind of what sparked the relationship between us and Meta and some of the other tech giants is really just like, like, I think historically AR and VR was mainly for gaming, you know, things like Pokemon Go or Beat Saber or whatever. But then once COVID hit, everyone had to work from home or people had to go to school from home you know, video conferencing and videos and text and chat and things like that just weren't sufficient to make people feel like they were together. And so that's kind of where things started taking off for Immersed. Do you do anything with concert promoters like Taylor Swift, for instance? I mean, you have, have you ever yeah. done any of so, anything like that? Yeah. So what's so crazy is that like people want to, like a lot of users are told us they want to do more than just work in VR, but they actually want to be able to build businesses in our metaverse and, you know, employ people in the metaverse and transact with and services. And so we sort of opened up our, our sort of like open world version of our app where you're not in just like these kind of isolated rooms, but instead mm-hmm. you're kind of in this interconnected 3D internet world sort of thing. And so what it does is uh, we actually opened up our first kind of virtual property, You've probably been somewhat exposed to the Web3 world. And so right. we kind of did sort of this like virtual Manhattan concept. And so we wow. have a few different actually hip hop artists who have purchased kind of these custom plots that they want to build virtual concert venues on. So the next time Justin Bieber or, you know, Marshmello, whoever does a virtual metaverse concert, they can instead of doing it in like a 3D motion capture bodysuit and then, you know, do it right. asynchronously and pre-recorded, they could actually go into Immerse and actually perform live, which is pretty exciting. Has full that body track be, and all of that. That would be amazing. That would be so cool. Yeah, yeah. And also then, I mean, I guess all of the other, are you set so that you're going to be able to do the blockchain and smart contracts and all of that back exactly. stuff? Yeah. So we, yeah, so we, we, we partnered with Polygon, Republic Crypto and Ready Player Me. And I guess uh, some of the, t- the tech giants in the Web3 world, I know the Web3 world is still kind of new and early, but the mm-hmm. larger, at least kind of maybe you know, decacorns or unicorn startups who are kind of in the, the single digit billions or the, the double digit billions. Like, yeah, maybe they're not the size of like Facebook and, and Apple and others, but they're kind of the next tier under mm-hmm. those Web3 companies. We partnered with all the sort of the leading ones. And uh, yeah, I mean, hopefully in the next, I would say six fish months is when we're actually going to do our metaverse ribbon cutting where you put on the headset and you'll be able to actually like walk around or locomote throughout virtual Manhattan. It's going to be extremely exciting. I'm, I'm really excited about that. If I'm an entertainment network and I'm thinking I'm yeah. going to launch a program and I'm going to push out something really interesting because I know I'm going to get press because I'm doing it through this thing. Yeah. How many people would be exposed to it? Yeah. So, so far we've onboarded about 700,000 users and we're still in the mm-hmm. process of getting onto more headsets. So once we're on the TikTok headset, that should push us into the low single digit millions. And then once the Apple headset comes out, that's when you'll start seeing hopefully double digit millions. But hopefully that happens in the next 12 months. That's kind of what we're hoping for. That's why I feel like this Apple headset is going to be a crazy a catalytic event for us. Because um, mm-hmm. again, we're like we're sort of the... Actually, I didn't even share this earlier, but we are the only AR VR app that people legit use 40 to 50 hours a week, every week. And so Meta has been trying to buy us for the past couple of years. Now Google and Microsoft are trying to buy us, but I don't think we're going to sell. I think we're going to, like, it feels like we're just getting started in AR, VR. Like it feels like once the Apple has it comes out, we're going to see way more traction. The hope is that Immerse becomes the next tech giant. So I'm pretty, pretty excited about that. 
That's very exciting. Thank you so much for taking the time to take us through it. Thanks so much. This has been super fun. We've reached the end of another episode of Up Next. I'd like to close by thanking my production team at Up Next, my friend Rob Naughton, the voice artist who recorded our open, and of course, all of you, the members of our audience. Thank you. I'll be talking to you again next time right here on Up Next.